How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. It is Friday, and that means it is time for Options Action. The Dow closing today at a new low for 2022, and the S&P struggling to not do the same. All the major averages capped their fifth down week on rising recession fears. We'll help you find protection in options. You might be surprised that a single stock could be the best defensive play. We'll explain why. Plus, we'll look at one whole market insurance policy and then examine why gold isn't behaving as it should yet. Joining me tonight, Carter Worth, my co, and a special appearance by Dennis Davitt, CIO of Millbank Dartmoor Portsmouth. Before we get to tonight's trade, let's triage the markets here. Uh, Carter, what's your take on the action? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of hope that somehow because we're back to the June low that will hold. And yet we know that the S&P is one index, but major indices from the New York Stock Exchange composite to Dow Jones transports to European bourses have all undercut their June lows. So is so is HYG, JNK, junk paper. I, I think we go lower. Yeah. Mike, uh, what, what your, we've seen some pretty extraordinary moves across asset classes. So how do you piece this all together? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the real driver here, of course, is uh, concerns about rates. And if you're thinking about what could happen to equities, you have to think about what's going to happen to rates first. Now, a lot of people are making a big fuss and saying that, OK, at just over 4%, say, two-year rates are really high and the Fed is stepping on the brakes. The Fed is not stepping on the brakes. Let's be very clear about this. From 1998 to 2008, the two-year rate averaged about 4%, and that was when CPI averaged 2.6%. Right now, CPI is uh, about 8.3%, which means nominal rates remain negative, even if you use the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, which is the PCE deflator, that's probably about 6.3. That still gets us to a negative 2% nominal rate. If they're going to stop inflation, we are not done yet. And if rates are not done going up, then the market is not done going down. Yeah. And tech has really felt the pain, Dennis. And I'm wondering what your, what your take on, on technology, the NASDAQ, is. Well, you know, technology and the NASDAQ, one thing we've seen is you know, correlations in the market. The markets are, are moving much more together now than they were earlier in the year. So, I mean, it's hard to find even tech versus S&P differentiation versus Russell. I even look at what's going on overseas in Europe and European indexes. It's like everything, the only thing I can find that ever goes green seems to be the dollar these days. And that's not good for stocks, right? And if the Fed's going to keep raising rates, as Mike said, you continue to see strength in the dollar could continue to hurt stocks. Um, it's, you know, hope springs eternal. The VIX is still under control. Um, you know, and there's reasons behind that. I, I just don't think people own as much equities as they had before. I also think people are selling equities, kind of going into cash, maybe tax loss harvesting, looking to use that cash to deploy later, uh, you know, for better buying opportunity in the equity market. Higher cash positions, Mike, is one uh, take on why the VIX has remained relatively muted. And I'm wondering what, what you see um, as the reasons why we haven't seen a spike yet to a 34 or, or, you know, some astronomical level. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things going on here. Uh, and actually, some of the things we're going to talk about in the option space, I think, are indicative of this. And actually, some of my own positioning could possibly be indicative of this. It's very hard, of course. You know, we don't want to go completely to cash in our equity portfolios but we don't really want to add stocks here. Uh, we also don't want to buy insurance 
on the market after it's already fallen more than 20%. So think about the dynamic that that creates. Mm. Uh, you know, if you're an, a long equity player and you're going to use options instead, you might be inclined to say, you know what, I, I want to dip my toe in, I want to limit my risk, I'm going to buy some upside call options. And because the market's already fallen and because I already had some hedges on, maybe I'm not buying puts as aggressively as I was before. And what does that do? Uh, all else equal is going to increase the price of calls and is going to not increase the value of puts as much as you might otherwise expect with the declines that we're seeing. And I think that's showing up when we look at something like the VIX index, for example, which is going to, you know, you're going to see as puts get bid, you're going to see those kinds of um, metrics rise. Right. Well, stocks continue to head south. The chart master has one name that could be the ultimate defensive play. Carter, is that is that too strong? Is it worded too strongly there? Maybe, maybe. But anyway, let's talk about Apple. So, um, and, and listen, this is what makes a market. You ran around the desk just a minute ago, and, and everyone is basically not sanguine on Apple, which is fine. But I think Apple does have defensive characteristics. And just note this before we look at the charts. I mean, of the OEX, the S&P 100, only two stocks were up this week, Pepsi and Lilly. Well, guess of the 98 others, the one that was down the least, Apple. And if you look at it on a trailing 12-month basis, there's only about 25 stocks in the OEX that are up on a trailing 12-month basis, and they are all utilities, staples, healthcare, energy. But there's one that isn't those. It's Apple. I think it is defensive here. It has dropped 15%. My hunch is to play it as a safety trade if one is looking to play anything on the long side. Look at a chart or two. The first is just Apple itself. It is very range-bound. I mean, that's the definition of benign uh, to my eye. But let's look at ratio charts, relative charts. The next is just that. It's a ratio. It's Apple divided by the S&P. And what the line reveals is how Apple is performing relative uh, to the SPX. Let's put a line on that. It's a perfect trend line. It is literally to the penny, to the penny. It is bounced. Let's put a, a, a another line on that. Look at the top. It just broke out. That's the definition of a pennant. Uh, it, it's, it's not extended. Uh, final chart is a little bit longer term. I think Apple is telling us that it's a place to be if one wants to be anywhere. Now, I respect the other side of the argument. We heard it earlier that this is the last one to go. Um, Apple is, is just not extended, and uh, I'd rather be there than a lot of other things. Hmm. Mike, what's your take and what's the trade? Yeah, so, well, the first thing I would say is, I mean, you already heard me say that I, I think that there's potentially a further downside, maybe even a lot more downside for equities. And it's hard for me to imagine how Apple remains completely immune, although I think Tim said it well when he suggested that maybe they're not as exposed to enterprise. We're entering a seasonally strong period for Apple. And there's a very positive response to their latest product and one of the biggest drivers for them. Uh, but here's something to think about. So yesterday, the stock was trading. I think it hit a high of just over 154. And today, it actually almost got down to 148. So we're talking about an almost $6 move just between yesterday's high and today's low. So if I still think there's potential downside for equities, but I want upside exposure, I think the thing you want to do in a market like this one is, number one, you want to keep it really simple. And you need to put on positions that allow you to be nimble and allow you to define your risk. So I was just looking out to November, the 160 calls, which were in the money uh, only within the last two weeks. Uh, those would cost about 470, I think, when I was looking at those earlier today. That's just a little over 3% of the current stock price. And that's less than the shares moved peak to trough between yesterday's high and today's low. 
so this is a way that you could you know, take some upside exposure to Apple if you think that we actually do catch a bid, if you think the Fed chickens out, which, by the way, would be another reason why you could actually be bullish for equities. I, I think that they're probably going to stay the course uh, here. That is a way you can make a bullish bet and really define your risk, like I'm saying, to just over 3% of the current stock price. Dennis, two separate questions. What do you think of Mike's trade? And what do you think about the, the notion that Apple is a defensive play in this market? Um, I really like Mike's trade uh, for all the things that he outlined. They're in my notes. I was going to write, you're only laying out 3% of the trade. You know, you're moving back towards a 200-day moving average. It is a defensive stock. It's a core holding for um, a lot of famous individuals, and it's also a core holding for many of the index products. So any sort of rebound that comes back into the market, um, I really like. One of the things I really like about it to get kind of kind of wonky, but it is an option show, you're buying the, the, the volatility of the stock has been moving around justifies the price of the call. So people may say that options are too expensive right now, but they're they are justified in their price. Um, you're paying three percent. You can participate in the market going back up um, and it's you're buying that volatility at the same price that a lot of the major indexes are priced at. So anytime I can buy a single stock option on a volatility that's the same um, and sometimes even lower than the actual index it's in, that's definitely a buy that you should always you should always buy that stock just as, a, as an option trader rule. All right. Let's uh, get more macro here. As investors scramble for safe havens amid new market lows, they might be remiss not to at least prepare for the potential, as unlikely as it may be, of an unexpected rally. Hmm. Dennis, how should you do that? Um, one of the ways you do this is a risk reversal. So when markets get extremely volatile, options get more expensive. So buying outright puts is just it's a, it, you're buying them when you're it's like buying house insurance when the house is on fire, it's going to be very expensive. So you need to offset that cost uh, of buying the insurance. And one of those things we can do is a risk reversal. So when you put a risk reversal trade on, you're buying a downside put, but you're financing it by selling an upside call. So being able to participate in the rally or not just bleed out all of the um, all of your, your, your profits in the underlying stock. It's important to put the trade on in a proper, well-thought-out way. One of the things we're seeing in the market right now is the cost of doing this trade is about as low as I've ever seen it. Um, right now, this is like a tail-risk trade. So you're buying a down 10% put. You're buying a, a next year, so January, uh, $330 put, and you're financing that by selling a $400 call, and you're paying less than a dollar to do it. They're almost both 10% out of the money. In index trading and options trading on equities, very rarely can you buy puts for roughly the same price as the call that you're selling against it. Um, this is a trade where it'll keep you in the stock. It'll make, make you sleep better at night. Um, you don't make the best decisions when markets are trading on all-time lows. So putting the trade on, it prevents you from panic selling. You know, it's a great hedge against if you're already long stocks in your portfolio. Uh, most people, if you're watching the show, you're probably long some stocks in your portfolio. This, I think, is one a real economical way of putting that trade on um, and financing it by selling an upside call. So down 10 percent, up 10 percent. I like the trade. Mike, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, Dennis really uh, sort of made the most important point, which is that this is not a setup that you typically get. You don't usually 
get to say, okay, I just want to limit my exposure right now to up 10, down 10. I mean, I could see some really disastrous things happening, so I, I don't want to have exposure beyond that to the downside. You don't normally get this, and that is really a function of essentially the dynamic that we're talking about, the unusual price of options right now, upside versus downside. And actually, people going out and doing things like I just advocated in Apple are helping to contribute to the dynamic that Dennis has identified in the index here. So I think if you own equities and you're thinking, I think there's an, a limit to how much upside there is, but I don't want to sell my stocks. I also don't want to have unlimited downside risk. Putting this on, sometimes also called a, a protective collar, is a way you can do that. Carter, your take? You know, I, I guess that's what makes a market I, and I, I'm independent of the trade, and we can get a bouncer. Structurally, the question is, is the market really in a position to bounce meaningfully, or is there downside risk? I have a chart or two, and, and we can just examine it that way. What we know is that the market is back, everybody knows this, to its June low. So the question is, in all my conversations with clients, well, the market's down so much. But then if you say, yeah, but it hasn't done anything in three months. It's unchanged since the middle of June, and yet everything else is so much worse, including all the data. We have, we're not extended to the downside. Look at a longer term iteration, uh, same S&P chart, and then just the same chart, same time frame, a final way to draw the lines. Um, yes, you can bounce. Yes, you can put in a minor double bottom, but structurally the market has an issue, and I don't think that issue is resolved. I'm playing for lower prices. All right, still to come. Gold hasn't been living up to a traditional role of stalwart market hedge, but could that soon change and how should you prepare? We'll lay out a plan for you. And for everything Options Action, check out our website and newsletter. More Options Action right after this. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Welcome back to Options Action. Gold, the traditional market hedge, hasn't exactly been acting the way it has in the past. But what if it suddenly does? Professor Coe has a way to prepare. Mike. Yeah, so we often think of gold as, as being uh, a hedge for other risk assets that we might hold. In truth, I think one of the reasons that people really think of it as a hedge is it's a hedge against a weakening dollar. And of course, it hasn't performed well because the dollar has performed well. And the dollar has strangely been performing well. People might think that that doesn't make sense in an inflationary environment. But it's once policymakers begin to recognize that you have an inflation problem that the dollar will strengthen because you will see rising rates and folks are hoping that that will stabilize. We are at an interesting juncture here and now because we really are in wait and see mode to see whether or not the Fed is going to sort of follow through with the hawkish talk that we've been getting out of them lately. But as I indicated uh, earlier, they still have a long way to go. And of course, if they do pause in their activity here, then I think gold could actually get a little bit of a bump. Now, as I indicated also when we were talking about Apple, I think in a fast moving market like the one we have right now, it's important to keep your trades simple. It is important to be nimble. And I think here, too, 
the way to limit your risk is simply to look out. I was looking out to November, the 160 calls. Those, because gold is a relatively low volatility uh, asset, could be had for uh, just under $2. Uh, so we're talking about only a little bit over 1% of the price of GLD to buy those calls. And here's a situation. If this thing does get catch a bounce, if it does start to rally, you can look to spread this. You could look to roll them. I think that's what you want to do. Uh, and also, of course, we're, we're limiting our risk to the downside in the event uh, that gold continues to weaken and we continue to see a strengthening dollar and we continue to see rising rates. Carter, where do you see gold going? Sure. Before we get to the church, I think it's important to say this. Yes, day to day, gold is not serving as a hedge. But the real way to look at it is this. When did the market peak? It peaked at an all-time high of January 4th, and we know the S&P is down 23% since then. Gold in the period, down 9%. It has been an excellent hedge on a relative basis. Uh, three gold charts. They're all the same time frame. The first one is this incident, this sequence, very similar to the 2020-2021 drawdown. In terms of magnitude, each down about 20%. You can see it there. Same chart, and look at the duration of those two. This versus then. That was 150 sessions. This is 143 sessions. Put the two charts together, number one and two, final chart. The question is, are we down to the point where you get some sort of bounce? That's my hunch. So, Dennis, what do you think of Mike's trade? Um, I I like Mike's trade from an options point of view. Um, I'm not a fan of Mike's trade from a gold directional point of view. So my options hat, I would actually be short gold here, but I would still do Mike's trade as a protection trade in case I was wrong. Um, Not to take the other side of everybody in the room, but, you know, gold could pop back up in more Carter's area, but like the 200-day moving average looms large. Um, You are only laying out 3%, so that's why I like the options trade. I just, I mean, I've never been a gold bug. I think a lot of gold bugs have moved out of the space and, moved into crypto and other things. So I I don't know that that's behaving very well. But I I just can't get my head around being a gold, uh, you know, really big into the gold. Um, I I would like being shorted, but I would like to, I like Mike's trade from a volatility point of view and stop me out. Mike, last word. You know, the real gold bugs and silver too, by the way, showed up uh, in the 1970s. Uh, And that was a period when we were encountering inflation that was not entirely dissimilar to what we're seeing right now. Before we dismiss inflation hedges like precious metals, I think we need to remind ourselves that it's been a long time since we saw inflation like this. And we may yet again get big rallies in precious metals if this persists. All right. Up next, a special look back on three prior open trades that need some management right now. Plus, we're tackling your questions. More options action right after this. Welcome back to options action. Over the past several weeks, we've laid out several trades in IYR, KRE, SPY, an earlier market hedge from today and Jets. They're all moving in favor are approaching expiration, and they should be actively managed right now amidst this volatility. So, Mike, what do you do next? Yeah, an important thing, of course, we made bearish bets in several areas, is that when you put on put spreads, which is the trades that we use in all of these cases, as the underlying approaches that short strike, the risk-reward dynamic of the trade changes. Most of the money has been made. You should take your profits in these bearish trades. And if you believe, as I do, that the market could actually still go lower, you can take a portion of those profits and deploy it 
by rolling down and out. And that's what you should do. All right. There's your update. Let's get to some tweets here. First fan asks, looking at a Costco December call spread risk reversal in the line of 460, 500, 550. Appreciate your insight. Uh, Mike, can you take this one? Costco, Holly index name. I like the stock. (laughs) I'm not as crazy about the valuation, but here's the thing. Call spread risk reversals, especially in high volatility environments like we find ourselves right now, at the very least, you're going to get some near upside exposure. But if you are going to have the stock put to you, it's going to be at a lower level. I would choose lower strikes, though. I might be looking more at, say, a 420, 470, 500. All right. Um, Our next tweet asks, what is the LNG chart doing, Carter? It's doing doing great. I mean, if you were just a simple (laughs) exercise, find all stocks that were making new 52-week highs and all-time highs in the last two weeks when the S&P has been dropping for six months. It's a pretty small group. LNG is in that group. It's already down, actually, 15% from that high of two weeks ago. I think you buy the dip. Do you like LNG, Mike? I do. I mean, I like the natural gas names in general. I think this is an area that uh, is one of the few that actually has room to the upside. All right. We have time for one more tweet. So here it goes. This one asks, Amazon calendar put spread from a few weeks ago is in the green now. Do we close the trade out near the 52-week low? Mike, your take? So I actually was selling some of my Amazon puts today. And part of that is not because I think all of the damage is done. But I also was pairing some of my long positions. And sometimes it's nice to offset some of those losers with a profit. And I was taking some profits in Amazon puts. All right. Up next, the final call. Time now for the final call. Carter Braxton Worth. I think it's tempting to see the market is oversold. I would resist that temptation and anticipate lower prices. By the way, we lost Dennis Davitt because of technical issues, but uh, we thank him for joining us today. Mike Coe, what's your final call? Yeah, I mean, Dennis was suggesting a protective collar. I think that's not a bad play against your overall portfolio. And if you're thinking about making long bets, you don't have to do so in a linear fashion by calls instead of stock. That does it for us. The CNBC special Markets and Turmoil starts right now. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses.